usually isn't it wonderful that it's August, it's summertime, and people are actually cold in this building. It's nice, isn't it? How about that? God is moving. He's moving in many different ways. I don't know about you, but I am excited and elated about what God may speak to us today. There is a word from the Lord. If we could stand for the reading of God's word. We have many that we want you to keep in prayer. Um, Sister Mabel, and I don't want to start calling names, but I already started. Sister Sue, Brother Norty, uh, Sister Dara, uh, Brother Neil. Uh, Brother Neil has fractured his neck, but at the same time, he is completely cancer-free now. God has healed him. There, there are many. Thank you for those who make us aware when people are sick. If you, aren't, if you don't tell us. Sister Virginia right now, she's uh, dealing with her, her brother at the moment, and her brother is um, in critical condition, and we, we give prayers for those things. Um, it may be her day today, but it could be our day tomorrow, and I'm so glad. I don't know about you, but I'm just grateful for the presence of God in this place. Amen? Amen. There is a word of, for God and from God, word for us from God. And it comes from the book of Exodus. We're going to be hopping from scripture to scripture, but two main scriptures today. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And then we're going to go over to Exodus chapter 6. We are in, and this is the pinnacle of our I Am series about knowing God closer and knowing the God who wants to know us. And it reads, and you're welcome to read with me. Ready, read. God said to Moses... I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God furthermore said to Moses, verse 15, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Now we're going to go to the book of Exodus chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. And it reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I do to Pharaoh, for under compulsion he will let them go, and under compulsion he will drive them out of his land. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourned furthermore. I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from their bondage. And I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people. And will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord God. Who brought you 
out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to a land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. And I want to go back up to this scripture uh, right here. Verse 2, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. By this scripture, other related scriptures, and aid of the Holy Spirit, we want to talk to you from this subject this morning. I want to know your name. Let us pray. God, help us to know you better today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Have you ever been blessed by someone? You ever come out of the grocery store and it's soaking wet and your battery is not working how it needs to be and all of a sudden you don't have any help? Or or, or you locked your keys in your car and you don't know how to get your keys out of your car and now you're in a pickle because you don't know who to call? Or maybe it's been that you've been sick late at night and no one was there to call, no one there to help you, and you didn't know if you would have any help. And all of a sudden, out of the blue came a good Samaritan, somebody you'd never seen before, but somebody who could obviously notice that you were in distress and they came to help you in your distress. They unlocked that door. They did those things that you needed them to do and you were elated and you were glad for the fact that they've done it. Has anybody ever had a person like that come into their life and before you know it, they're they're on their way and they're doing what they uh, were purposed to do in the first portion before they ever met you and as they leave, you would send them a thank you note you would tell them thank you. You would send them a little money for the bind they got you out of. But then you remember something. I don't even know their name. Hmm. So you're grateful to somebody who's delivered you. You're grateful for somebody who's helped you in in a time of stress. And although you were grateful what they did and their actions of deliverance made an impact on your life, you never knew them on a personal level. You never knew who they were as they rode off into the shadows of mystery and anonymity. And what you have to come to terms with is somebody just saved me in a bad situation. And I'm very grateful to them. But the truth of it is, I really don't know them like I wish I did. And we see here in the book of Genesis 11 and 12, with the Bible introduces us to a character named Abram. And Abram, he decides that he's going to strike out and follow God's purpose. But here's the funny thing that Abram does not know God. Abram worships the moon. Abram lives in a land called Ur of the Chaldees, Ur of the Chaldees, modern and present day Iraq, where Lath is from. And he doesn't know God. As a matter of fact, history and tradition say, that not only was he an idol worshiper, but his father was an idol maker and that his father worked in a shop to make idols. And here is this young man who doesn't know anything about this God that's speaking to him. And God decides to say, come out from among your people and go to a land that I will show you. And God called him out from among everything that he knew to bring him to something greater. And I want to give a bit of revelation you this morning that sometimes God has to separate you to elevate you. 
I say that again for somebody who might not have understood what I've said. Sometimes God has to separate you to elevate you. It might seem painful that he's moving certain relationships in your life. But what you don't realize is that those relationships are going to keep you from the purpose and the plan of God. Some relationships are for a time, a lifetime. Some are for a reason. And some are just for a season. But don't despair when God begins to sever relationships and move you to another level and I submit to you that many of us never grow to the potential and the promise that God wants us to grow to simply because we can't get out of our comfort zone and move to a land that he will show us to move sometimes to a new job, to move sometimes to a new house, to move to a, a new place or a new situation. God is trying to get you aligned with the purpose and plan he has for your life. And sometimes that requires a change in environment. You can't get the same old thing staying in the same space. Jesus said it this way. How can you put new wine into old wine skins? They will burst. They don't have the capacity. They were good for the first time they were used, but now they become brittle and they're already stretched to their capacity. And if you feel anything else with them, it's going to push them beyond their capacity and they will be destroyed. What God is saying is that I'm trying to do a new thing and you and you can't get it the same old way you got to be open because if you try to do it in the capacity that I gave it to you before you won't be able to receive what I'm doing behold I hear the word saying I will do a new thing God doing a new thing in, in your life. And God has taken Abraham on steps into his destiny and he has guided him on the path that will make his name great he will become the father of many nations. He has revealed things to Abraham that he would not reveal to other people. When he got ready to go destroy Sodom, God himself turned around in the person of what we call a theophany, which means a manifestation of God in the flesh. And he comes down and he talks to Abraham and he says, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And as he leaves, he stops before he leaves to go destroy the city. And he says, shall I share with Abraham what I am going to do? And he thought, so much of Abraham that God turned around and he began to converse. God Almighty who needs no one. God Almighty who doesn't have to ask for permission to do anything. Decides that he loves Abraham so much that he will turn back and converse with Abraham about his plans. You see, God loves Abraham and God has a plan for Abraham. And Abraham trusts and loves God. But Abraham lives and dies. And never knows his name. For we see in the scripture text. As he's talking to Moses. God never revealed his name. So he knew God to move him from one place to another. He knew God to move him into destiny. He knew God as a deliverer from his current circumstances. But he never knew God while he was on this earth. On the level of personal. To where he knew God's name. 
This same God, the God we serve, he works through Isaac and he sends an angel to wrestle with Jacob all night long. And God not only wrestles with Jacob, he allows the angels to wrestle with Jacob and give Jacob a new purpose or a life. God has changed Jacob's destiny and allows him to go from a trickster to a prince and a father. God has special favor upon Jacob, even despite all the dirty, underhanded things, God, that Jacob had done. God still decides to use Jacob to father the tribes and the lineage of his nation. He gives Jacob another chance. He allows this trickster to triumph, even takes a permanent place in the annals of biblical history. He has done great things for this family. He has given Jacob a new name that we often call the name Israel to where Jacob's name lives forever. Even Israel is referred to the house of Jacob, but Jacob never knows his name. It's in the text. We read it. He said, my name have I not <laughs> revealed to them. He broke his hip, knocked it out of the socket. And I've come to tell you this morning, somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes God has to break you to bless you. He has to slow you down and change your path. But in the end, you may be bruised, but you'll come out better. Sometimes we go through trials and God allows us to go through those tests. And he allows us to go through those trials. And many times we'll try to wrestle with God because we don't like his will. He's taking one of our loved ones on to glory and we're wrestling with it. Or he's changing how we do things and we're wrestling with it and we're fighting it. And after a while, God puts us into a position where we're crippled and we can't do it anything else and we feel helpless but you're not really helpless God is positioning you to prosper you and he is putting you in a place where that limp won't allow you to outrun him <laughs> he loves Jacob but Jacob never knows his name we see the God of the Bible working all through Abraham and through Isaac and Jacob. And it's funny that he does not reveal his name to any of them, but he will give them descriptions of themselves. We see Robin quoted this morning, Genesis, I believe it's chapter 15, where God does give a description of himself to go by for for, for Abraham, and we realize that sometimes when we read the Bible, we see the name of God before we ever get to this passage. But there's a simpler explanation for that, that Moses is writing this book after the fact. He already knows God's name by this point. So he calls God by that name. But we see in chapter 6, God does something that he has never done before. He sees a people that are in bondage. He sees a people that have been oppressed for 400 years all the way down from their father, Joseph, the grandson of Abraham. He sees, hallelujah, the cry of a people that he has nurtured and carried all the way from Abraham and from Isaac and Jacob and down through Joseph. He began to incubate and bless the children of God. And now it is that they have cried as the whip hits their back. They have cried as their children are slaughtered and murdered. And God has raised the deliverer. And as God begins to raise a deliverer, hmm, 
He sees these people who he had chosen in Abraham and passed through Isaac and multiplied through Jacob and saved through Joseph, sit in bondage and slavery and despair. And now just at the right time, he is raising up a deliverer named Moses. And, the, and to Moses, he has prepared him to deliver his people. They called his name Moses, which means to draw out, which means that he was drawn out of the river. But it was also a prophetic utterance. Why do you know? Because Moses was called to draw the people of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt and God had decided to name him and allow him to be named Moses. Do you not know that your name has significance? Be careful what you name someone. My name, Willie, is derivative from William. It means guardian, somebody who guards or pastors. And, and, and God often gives you a name that fits your destiny. And he has put everything in name so much so that when he gets ready to change a purpose, he changes a name. You're no longer Sarai, princess, but I'll make you Sarah, the mother of many nations. You're no longer Abram, which means prince. I will make you the father of many, many nations. Your name will now be Abraham. You are no longer Jacob. Jacob, you will be called Israel. You are no longer Paul, but you are now Saul. We see God takes a lot of stock in names because names not only derive our destiny and tell people things about what we are called to, but names actually give you insight into who we are. And so for years, God has delivered the people of Israel. He has been delivering them from all of their bondage, but they do not know his name. It wasn't time for them to know their name. His name, Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. God is saying they knew me on one level, but they weren't ready for the next level. See, some of us are saved in here and we, we've been with God a while. But do you not know no matter how long you're saved, Paul says, I have not yet apprehended. There is yet another level that you can know God on if you will allow him to reveal himself to you just at the right time, like he did with Moses. Moses says, I'm going back to Egypt and where I came from in Egypt, all of the false gods there, they have a name. And if I'm coming to say that, that these people are going to be saved by you, I need to tell them a name. And he uses this phrase, Eye, Asha, Eye, which is similar to what they would have recognized him as, which means I am that I am, or for a better translation, I will be whatever I will be. In other words, I'm calling you for a purpose. Don't worry about what you need. If you do what I ask you to do, I will be whatever you need me to be. If you need a provider, I will be your provider. If you need a healer, I will be your healer. If you need somebody in the future, Moses, to split the Red Sea, I will be a water parter for you. If you need somebody who is able to deliver you out of Egypt, I will be what you are calling me to be. And many of us know God just on the the level of I am that I am. We know his hand, but we don't know his face. We know him for what he can do for us. But he's calling us 
to know him deeper. So as he begins to tell Moses, tell them that I am sent me, he begins to continue that sentence. And he says, not only tell them that I am sent you, but I want you to give them this name, this name that nobody else has ever had, which is a derivative of that name, which means the same thing, but is in an expanded form. I need you to tell them that Jehovah, Yahweh, has sent you. Yahweh means I am self-existent. You see that oftentimes in the Bible when you see Lord mentioned in, in, in caps, it is because the Jews would not even speak his name. His name was so holy. So anytime you see in the old King James or an old Bible, the capital L-O-R-D, it is literally calling out a replacement for the name of God because they were reverence his name so much they would not even speak it. But that is the name Yahweh, the self-existent one. He's letting him know that I am everything that you need and here's the thing you have known me as a deliverer but I'm fixing to take you to a place where you're going to need to know me on a deeper level than you've known me I've come to tell you this morning you may have known God to save your soul but God is trying to take you to a deeper place than you've been before he's trying to take you to a level into which you have never reached he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. You can't get in the shadow unless you get close to God. He wants you close to him right beneath his shadow. He doesn't want you to know him just as a provider. He doesn't want you to know him just as a healer. He wants him to know his name. He wants you to know who he is. He wants you to fellowship with him. He wants you to know him like you've never known him before. He said, Abraham, I helped Abraham. I helped Isaac. I helped Jacob. But Moses, I'm for what you're destined for, I'm going to have to take you one step further. You've got to know me in a different way, and I'm going to reveal myself to you. Is there anybody in here that says, God, I want to know your name? I don't want to just worship you for what you've done, but I want to know you for who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as he's revealed himself by the name, the people will know him now in a more powerful way. He reveals his name to his people. He sets his people free from the bondage of Egypt, and he gives them a sacrificial system that would allow him to know him just a little bit better and connect with him on a more personal level. But God is not through with them yet. I hear John saying in John chapter 1, Verse 14, he said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling, hallelujah, up among us, hallelujah. He wasn't just satisfied with you knowing what he's done. He wasn't just satisfied with you just knowing who he was, but he wanted to walk with you. He wanted to come down in the flesh among you and deliver you. He wanted to help you and to heal you. We have not a high priest that does not know our infirmities and our weaknesses. He wants to know you. Hallelujah. 
John says, we have seen his glory. Good God Almighty. The glory of the one and only Son of God who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It wasn't enough that you know him as a deliverer. It wasn't enough that you know his name, but now he's walked among you, and he wants to know you on a personal level, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me, hallelujah, that I am his own. Not mere Bible knowledge, not mere intellectual ascent, but on a personal and a spiritual level, God wants to know your name. He has revealed to them, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. He reveals to them many times who he is. But in John chapter 8 and 58, he gives a not so subtle reminder of who he is. In John 8 and 58, he says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, there's that name again, I am. He's letting them know that I am is walking right among you. You might feel like you're alone in your situation. You might feel like nobody knows your trouble. But I've come to tell you that I am doesn't just sit in heaven, but I am sits right down beside you. I am sits right in the side of your heart. He walks with you. And he seeks to fellowship with you. Hallelujah. But the people he's talking to, the people he has brought from bondage and physical bondage, the people he's brought into his presence and made known to him, they've allowed themselves to become callous in their hearts. And rather than receive him and recognize who he was, verse 59 says, at this they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself. Slipping away to the temple grounds, he is revealing himself to man on another level. But many men do not want to know God on that level. If you ask people, are you a Christian? They'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go, I go to church once or twice a year. That's not what I asked you. Do you, do you know God? I, I can go to the baseball stadium or to the basketball arena. That doesn't mean that I know the famous basketball players. That just means I'm in the vicinity of them. Do you know God on a personal level? I'm a good person. Well, no, no one is good. There's not one righteous. No, not one that won't work. What I'm asking you is not do you know of him, but do you know him? Do you know him on a personal level? I'm going to allow you to listen. Come with me as we go into a conversation that Jesus had with the people that God has brought out and revealed himself to. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. You can read it with me if you want. He says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, and you, then you are truly the disciple of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. He's trying to reveal itself to him. They answered him and said, we are Abraham's seed and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? Wait a minute. Is it not funny that the people who have been enslaved more than anybody I could ever think of to the Assyrians, to the Babylonians, to Xerxes and Darius and Nebuchadnezzar all the way down to the Pharaoh of Egypt have forgotten that they used to be slaves. Isn't it amazing how sometimes God blesses us and we forget where we come from and we think that it's our us that we're where we are it's not you that the reason where you are it is only by the goodness of God and I pray to God that we don't ever get so prideful that we forget that the only reason that we are free is because Christ has set us free for whom the son sets free 
he is free. Indeed, we've never been a slave to anyone. Jesus answered and said to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, the, the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, hallelujah, you are free. You will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if Abraham and you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. He gave and he gave his body to be broken as a sacrifice for our sins and to live for the freedom of people who had forgotten who he was. He came to save them from the bonds that we today still have and do not realize it because many times we are free from the pinnacle of sin, but we're still in bondage to other things. And he wants to erase those things that are stopping you from knowing him on a deeper level. Although there are many, I am only covering one that I believe is the shackle to your growth as a Christian. It is the same thing that tripped up these Jews in the story. The number one thing that you have to be careful of. Everybody say religion. Hmm. Religion. Not true religion. But the religion that we create. Religion is a mindless and a distant pattern. On autopilot. There is no closeness. There is no intimacy. We find ourselves doing things out of habit. I don't come to, I don't come to Wednesday night because I want to fellowship with God and learn something so I can be closer to him. I come on Wednesdays because I don't have anything else to do. And it's part of my social structure. And there are people at the church that I want to see and fellowship with. I don't come to church for the right reasons. I come out of habit because this is what I've always done. And I don't realize that somewhere down the line, I'm in the building, I'm in the church, but somehow the church is no longer in me. Hmm. This statement doesn't affirm those who try to abuse it and use it as an excuse not to come together for worship. People will often say, I don't want religion. I just want a relationship. And many times that's just to cover up a wicked heart. Because if you love God, he says, forsake not to assemble yourselves together. Hebrews 10, 25 and many other scriptures that tell us that we should assemble among the saints. You are not being having more relationship because you don't choose to come to church. You're just choosing not to come to church because you don't realize you don't really have a relationship like you think you do. Can I have a relationship outside of the church? Yes, you can. God is everywhere. Religion, it's been said, is a man sitting in church thinking about fishing. But relationship is a man sitting on a boat fishing thinking about God. Hmm. To skip out on church and not connect to a local fellowship is unbiblical. No, what I'm suggesting is not a change in the quantity of fellowship, but a change in the quality of the relationship. True relationship not only enhances our corporate worship together, but it rejuvenates our private lives and our devotion as well. This morning, God is trying 
to tear down the wall of the status quo and open the door to the genuine, to true fellowship. He wants people where prayer is a staple for them and faith is a must. He wants people who are excited to get to church, not because of who they're going to see, but because God is going to be there and I get to meet him there. He's everywhere. But when I get in corporate worship, I get to see him on a different way. And I'm excited about showing up to the fellowship. He is not looking for busyness, but stillness. Busyness and stillness and mindless repetition make religion. But stillness makes relationship. I want to read that again in case you didn't get that. Busyness and mindless repetition makes religion. But stillness makes relationship. You ever been in a room with somebody? Maybe somebody you came up with in school and you haven't seen them in years, but you have a mutual friend that you guys are both close to. And all of a sudden they want to introduce you to this person whom you haven't seen in years. And now they get up and they go do something. And now you guys are sitting there by yourselves and you realize you have nothing in common and nothing to say. And it's really awkward. And that's an awkward silence. And you're looking, at your, you're looking for your cell phone to look through your phone. Or you're looking for some music to turn on some music. Uh, because it's so awkward because you don't really know anyone and know each other. And the silence is deafening. And it's awkward. Do you not know that we practice that in Christian faith today? Because we don't know God like we need to. We fill our services with noise. We need the best praise teams and the best music. Nothing wrong with that. But have you ever noticed there's hardly a point in any American service for silence? Even when we pray, we turn on music. Why is that? Maybe it's because we don't want to be in the room alone with a God we really don't know like we should. It's been a while since we've known each other. And I'm getting reintroduced to you, Lord, and it's kind of awkward. I need somebody to turn on some music or turn on the TV or something. Because just to be in the room with you by myself, it's been so long since we really talked. I don't know what to say. Huh. I'm going to give you the audience <clears throat> and those listening by way of podcast an awesome experience. I'm going to give you an awesome opportunity right now. And if you're listening by podcast or you're listening by Facebook, you're listening to this afterwards, I do not want you to miss out on the blessing. So there is nothing wrong with your recording. Do not skip this moment. But what I am going to do is something and an experience I got from Bishop Wayne Hall. He told me of an experience he once had in church. And I want to do this with you guys. I want to give you a couple of minutes of complete silence to talk and commute with God. If you're listening later, no, this isn't broken. I don't want any words. I don't want us to use the Christian filler words. No hallelujahs, no thank you, Jesus, no noise whatsoever. Just you and God. When I tell you, and we're going to continue to do that until you hear the sound of my voice again. Ready?
three minutes when you have a fellowship with God. Seems like three seconds. But if you're not where you need to be, it seems like an eternity. Those three minutes probably reveal more to us than any word I ever spoken this morning ever did. Did you find it awkward to talk to him? Are you kind of sad that I'm still talking now and interrupting your fellowship? He wants to know you. God, I want to know you for more than just what you can do. I want to know you on a personal level. And I want to know your name. Help us to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's a little different. I'm going to leave this stage. And you spend all the time with him that you want. Catch up. Don't talk. Nobody talk inside this space. Catch up on the outside. To be respectful of those who really want to spend a few minutes alone with God. Because if we be real, we get so busy, we really don't do it. And every moment with him is precious. So I'm going to bless you. I'm going to dismiss you. And then you can go outside and fellowship, or you can stay in here and spend a little time with God. Saying, God, I want to know your name. May the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, no music back there, guys, rest, rule, and abide with you, now, henceforth, and forevermore. In Jesus' name, complete silence. Those who need to go, you're dismissed. Those who need to pray or spend time with God, these altars are open. Well, Pastor, this is unusual. For the bear, this is unusual. God is looking for things unusual. He's tired of the status quo. He wants people that really want to know him in a deeper way. <laughs>